Yeah. Good morning, y'all. You know, um, I got to take just a minute before I get started on my message uh, just to tell you how good God is. I'm going to tell you that through the message, but man, y'all, God is good. I want to tell you, I was, uh, you know, I have the privilege of pastoring this church for one thing, but I want to tell you how God answers prayers. I want to just share because he is, man, he hears our prayers and he answers prayer. Um, I, from the moment we started having children, which our, our oldest one is in his, he's 30 years old, um, and then our youngest one is seven, you know, so we got them spaced out pretty good. But from the moment we started having them, uh, Pam and I have prayed over our children that they would live their lives to glorify God. We've prayed that. That's, I mean, more than any, I want to tell you all something. There's a lot of goals we can have for our kids. You know, I mean, lots of things. I want my kids to succeed in life here on earth. I want all that. But my, my biggest goal from the moment I became a parent was I want my kids to know Jesus and I want them to live to bring him glory. And so uh, why I'm saying that is the reason why I tell you that I just get, I have the privilege of seeing God answer prayers is because I prayed that over my kids for their whole life. And so uh, my oldest son, I'm not bragging, okay, maybe a little, all right, but um, uh, as I prayed that my kids would live to serve the Lord, they, and God began to work in their lives, my oldest son this morning right now is leading worship in a church in Cleburne, right? Um, so there's that one. And, uh, uh, and then uh, here I get to come here on Sunday morning, and uh, I get to watch my oldest daughter, Hannah, play and sing and bring glory to God. Uh, my, my niece, Emma, play and sing and or play. It's sing along, right? And, and bring glory to God. And in Taby, I get to watch her play and sing and bring glory to God. And it's just, it isn't my wife, right? And so uh, I've just seen, I've watched God answer prayer. And I want to tell you, you know, if you'll commit that, you know, the Bible tells us that children are a heritage. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth, right? Now, I've got two more I've got to bring along, right? Now, Kylie, uh, I'm not too worried about, but Kobe, bless his heart, we've got to help him some more, you know. Uh, we, were, uh, we, we, left the, we were at that play day last night, and, oh, I rolled in. I, you know, I got a little story about this, but I rolled in and unloaded horses at 3.30 this morning. So uh, I could use a nap, but I'll get that later. But Kobe, uh, you know, he gets a little bored up there when he's not riding, and uh, he got in trouble from the announcer's booth like four times last night. Yeah, like there. Kobe, stay away from the timer. Kobe, do this. Kobe, that. I was like, oh, man, that's my kid. Anyway, so y'all please pray for him because we want him to bring glory to God as well. Uh, now, the, <laughs> all right, well, let's go on to the sermon now. I just want to tell y'all God answers prayer. I just want to let you know. All right, so y'all pray for Kobe. And, yeah. All right, so uh, let's, let's read our opening verse here. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Ready? Behold, what's he doing? He is, he is coming with the clouds. Let's read it again. He is coming with the clouds. Jesus is going to return. And every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so, amen. Now, we talked about this last week, why that was going to happen, because Christ was going to return 
and set up the millennial kingdom, right? So um, here we are. Let's look at this slide, right? Here. So we were, we're at the second coming. We've, uh, we've talked about the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, the first resurrection, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the second coming. We're going to begin to end the seven-year tribulation period, all that in that square right there. Well, this morning, we're going to talk, begin to talk about the thousand-year reign. The thousand-year reign is when Christ will return. He will step foot on the earth. And he will rule and reign for a thousand years. There will be no one who questions that ever again. Christ will be king. He is king, but he will show himself to be king when he sets foot on the earth. Everyone will know it. Now, there's something curious about the thousand-year reign that I want you to understand. Because not everyone, you would think that everyone in that time period where Jesus reigns, you would think that they'll all be saved. Right? Well, according to Scripture, we're going to get to later on, that is not the case. The truth is, you know, salvation comes from in the heart, right? Well, those people, there will be people that are walking on the earth that will have to, because Christ is reigning on the earth, will have to profess him and say he's king, but they won't in their heart. They'll have a rebellious heart against him, even in the thousand-year reign, although they're going to, have to do everything he says. All right? So just kind of keep that in mind in the back of your head as we talk about the millennial kingdom. This morning, we're going to talk about the millennial kingdom judgment, which is right there. So when Christ begins the millennial kingdom, there will be a judgment time set up that he will, he will execute judgment on those that, are, that live through the tribulation period. There, are, there will also be people who are believers who have trusted Jesus during the seven years tribulation. Somebody tell me where we're going to be during the seven years tribulation. Heaven, right. Very good. Y'all are listening to me then. We're paying attention, right? So church will be in heaven, but there will be people in this time period that come to trust Christ that the many of them will be killed for their faith. There will be some that make it through there, faithful, that love Christ, that will make it through the seven-year tribulation without dying, okay, physically. So uh, at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, Christ will set up a judgment. And he's going to judge... He's going, to, he's going to judge two groups of people. The first one he's going to judge is, we're not going to really talk about this in detail today, but he will judge Israel, all right? One of the main purposes for the seven-year tribulation is because God is going to deal with his chosen people, and I'm going to talk about those in a minute, Israel. He's going to deal with them specifically during the tribulation period. He's going to bring them to himself. God's been, God chose them a long time ago to have the, to, to develop the, he developed the line of our Messiah, Jesus Christ, through Israel. Well, he's going to deal with them in the millennial kingdom judgment. So when you look at Matthew chapter 25, and that's where we're going to be this morning, Matthew 25, it talks about these judgments that God's going to bring about. Now, the first one, which I'm going to just talk to you about, is the judgment of the talents. Right Now, if you read that, uh, the parable of the talents, that is a direct correlation to how God will deal with Israel, right? Uh, so uh, we're gonna, we, we have that one. And then um, there's the, par the, the parable of the ten virgins. That's also a parable about the judgment of Israel during that time. So then there's going to be the judgment of the sheep and the goats, right? And that is what we call the judgment of the nations or the Gentile nations. That is uh, 
everyone outside of Israel. So that's what you are. You're a part of the Gentile nations, and that's what God will judge in the judgment of the sheep and the goats. So we're going we're gonna to kind of cover this judgment of the sheep and the goats and how when Christ sets up his millennial kingdom, he's going to set up this judgment. All right? So let's read this passage, Matthew chapter 25 Verse 30 through 30, or 30, 31 through, I don't know, we'll read it till we get finished. Uh, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Be before Him will be gathered all the nations. Everybody say, all the nations. So that are, that's everyone outside of the program that God... You know what? Okay, I'm going to stop just a minute. God has programs for salvation for different people groups in the world. This is kind of, you know how I've talked to you about being the church, the age of grace, and we'll be raptured uh, before the tribulation period. That's God's program for the church. It started 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross for our sin, right? Well, at the same time, Israel, what did they do? They rejected him as Messiah and king. They, did, they, did, they wouldn't accept his, uh, him as uh, king of kings and lord of lords of savior so what happened israel their program got placed on hold right god's going to deal with them he, he started dealing with them in the old testament he's going to continue to deal with them so there's a program for israel right there's also the program for the the martyred saints in the tribulation period there's another one there so there's different there's the old testament saints that god does there listen every the, don't miss this no matter if there were old testament sacrifices no matter if they're saved during the tribulation period, no matter when salvation happens and for what program it's in, who it is, Old Testament saints, whether it's Israelites in the tribulation period, whether it's Gentile nations in the tribulation period, whether it's the church, it really makes no difference what group it is that God's dealing with. Salvation comes through one, and that's Jesus Christ. That's what I want you to understand. No one, there's no other name by which one can be saved, the book of Acts says. No one is saved outside of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament saints before Jesus trusted in the coming Messiah that would die for their sin. So they're saved through, the program, uh, through their program through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Those that are in the church age, how are we saved? By grace you have been saved, not of your works. It is a gift of God so that you may not boast. It is through Christ that we're saved. So it's the church age. The tribulation saints, how are they saved? Through trusting and believing in a Savior, Jesus Christ. No one, listen to me, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen to me, no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Abraham, way back there in the book of Genesis, the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him to righteousness. Genesis chapter 18, verse 6, I believe that is. Y'all can check me. I'm not 100% positive. But he says he believed God and it was accounted to him to righteousness. What was God saying to Abraham when he believed him? He said, Abraham, look up at the heavens. Do you see the stars? Do you see how many they are? That's the way your offspring are going to be. If you can number them, that's how many you're going to have. How did Father Abraham have so many offspring? Because Jesus Christ was through his line, and Jesus Christ saved you and me and all those saints, all those tribulation saints. Everyone comes to salvation through Jesus Christ, 
And Abraham believed God in the coming Messiah who would give him all these offspring. And it was accounted to him to righteousness. It wasn't because Abraham did great works. It wasn't because of anything else but that Abraham believed God. Everybody say believe. believe. I don't want to oversimplify it, but I want to oversimplify it. Please don't make salvation hard. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, everybody say believe, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? So it's really not that hard, y'all. So here we are, back to our scripture. He's judging the nations here. God's dealing with Israel. He's dealing with them. And we go on and says, And uh, before him were gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Okay, so you can assume, Pam, I'm sorry to tell you this, the sheep are good and the goats are bad. <laughs> now, I can understand this. I'm going to tell you why I can understand this, because my wife has goats, quite a few of them, right? And we've got them in a little trap area with a pretty good net fence around it. And I will be out there in the morning as the sun's coming up, drinking coffee, reading my Bible, and guess what? I will look out there, and lo and behold, Pam's goats are out again. <laughs> they don't matter how much grass they got, how much feed they got, it don't make any difference. They want to be on the other side of the fence, right? They are bad. Okay. I'm just telling you, that's why, because I had sheep. I didn't really like the sheep, but they didn't get out. They were scared to get out. Something might eat them. All right. So, uh, let's move on. So, he separated the sheep. The goats were on his left. That's all we got to know. Okay. Uh, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When and, and thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you and, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you, you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you... Did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer to them, Truly I say to you, you did not do it to one of these of the uh, one of the least of these, and you did not do it to me. 
and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So I want to tell you what's happening here. He separates the sheep and the goats, those that were saved and those that were not saved. And this is the beginning of the millennial because I want to tell you something about the millennial kingdom. When Christ first sets it up, no one will enter into the millennial kingdom unless they're saved. There will be people born during the millennial kingdom. A thousand years Christ will reign. So there will be people who are born in the millennial kingdom. They will, there will be those that they, they have to confess Christ as king, but they will not believe it in their heart. There will be still people unsaved in the millennial. But no one will enter into that millennial unless they are saved. Christ sets up this judgment for Israel and for the Gentile nations to decide who's going into the millennial kingdom. And just like it was made, the decisions was made for you to enter into heaven on the cross, when you trusted Jesus, the Bible says that Christ secured your pardon. That he died on the cross and shed his blood for your sin, and he has he is keeping guard over your eternity through his blood. It's just like that. These that enter into the millennial kingdom will enter into the millennial kingdom because Christ has secured their pardon. And so Jesus is king. And in this next slide, we're going to see what happens. He's going to come in next one there, Nadia. Or uh, I'm sorry, Fran. How are you this morning? Good. Okay. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, let's read what it says right there. Ready? Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Christ will rule at the beginning, and everyone will know it, and, he, and it will be glorious. Before him will be gathered all the nation, and he will, uh, and I'm sorry, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Now, I want to take you to this next slide, and I want to show you what is prophesied about him doing this. Um, on Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, it says, On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west and by the very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall, uh, shall move northward and the other half shall move southward. So when Christ comes and stands on the earth and, and starts the millennial kingdom, there's evidently going to be a great earthquake and the Mount of Olives is going to split and there's going to be a valley in between. And it says, Joel, what's going to happen in that valley? I will gather all the nations. Everybody say all the nations. And bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people. Everybody say, my people. people. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Israel. Okay? Was Christ a Jew? Yes, he was. He's an Israelite. He was of God's chosen people. The reason, you know, you know why Israel is special? You know why God called them out special way back there in the Old Testament? Because Jesus would come through their line. They're his people. He's going to deal with them, and he's going to enter into judgment with the nations on behalf of his people, Israel. And it goes on to say, and, um, and it will enter into judgment there on behalf of my people and my heritage, Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land. 
Now, uh, the next slide, this is what we read. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate the people from one another. I want to tell you how that happens. I just want to kind of go through this with you and understand that uh, this is going to be a high-class sorting. All right? If y'all have ever sorted before, we're going to, Jesus is going to do from sorting, right? And he's going to sort them out in, in many different ways. Here's one of the ways he's going to sort them out. It's found in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, many of y'all read this passage in the wrong way because you read it right, like it's the rapture of the church. And it's not the rapture of the church. It is Christ entering into judgment for his people Israel. You'll read this and you'll think, well, this doesn't fit the timeline that Pastor Wade is talking about when he talks about the rapture of the church. The reason it doesn't fit the timeline is because it's not the rapture of the church right here. And it says, but the concerning the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son of Man, but the Father only for as, this is good, listen to this. For as were the days of Noah, everybody say the days of Noah. No, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, the days of Noah were evil. The day, this is the end of the tribulation period. Jesus is going to return. The days of Noah were evil. There were, none, there, there, there were terrible times. Why? Because God said sin was so bad in that day that he chose to destroy all of humanity. Right? That's what he chose to do by the flood. So as in the days of Noah, that's what it's going to be like when Christ returns to set up his millennial kingdom at the end of the tribulation period. And for as those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until what happened. Let's read that, church. The flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. What happened? Christ returns, uh, and uh, he, something's going to happen to certain people. Just like the flood, Noah and his eight souls. It's estimated there were 20 million people on the planet at Noah's day would, who would not believe God. Noah built an ark for 120 years and stepped into the ark with his family, eight of them, and sealed it up, and the flood came and took, took everybody else away. God judged the earth. Well, but concerning that day and the hour, no one knows, right? The flood came and swept them all away. Then there will be two men, right? Then two men will be in the field. One will be what? Let's read it, church. One will be what? And the other... One will be taken into judgment. The other left to enter into the millennial kingdom. Right? Then two women will be grinding at the mill. And what? One will be what? And the other left. One taken into judgment while the other is left to enter into the millennial kingdom. Noah and his family were left to start a new population while the rest of the world was taken. This is what's going to happen at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. This is how Christ separates the sheep and the goats, one of the ways. And so we need to understand that when he comes and lands. There are going to be those that are taken. But, the, you know, a lot of people read this. Well, it's talking about when Christ comes back and he's taking people to heaven, leaving people here. No. 
He's talking about when he's setting up the millennial kingdom and he's taking people into judgment and leaving people to enter into that thousand year reign with him. And that's what's going to happen during the king's judgment or the judgment of the, the sheep and the goats. So this is the king's inheritance for those who know Christ. It says, then the king will say to those who are on his right, come you who are blessed of my father. Ready? Let's read it. Uh, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. I want you to just keep that in mind, right? Because I want to tell you something. Um, is how, this is how we apply this as a church. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But you need to understand something. Christ has made a kingdom for you. It's for you. It's not for the person next to you. It is. But so many times we sit and we look at, you know, we sit in church or we hear messages like this and we think, well, that's not for me. That's, listen, God created heaven and a way to get there through Jesus Christ for all of us. There's no one excluded from that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, are you a whoever? Say, I'm a whoever. Believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God, God has made you a place. And it says he's prepared it for them too, right? From the foundation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison and you came to me. And they asked him the question, how do we do this? And this is how he answers 25. He says, and the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, who is it? My brothers, you did it to me. Something's going to be going on there in the tribulation period. And I'll tell you what it is. And we're seeing little pictures of it now. It's, it's the, you know, we, the anti-Semitism. People who hate Israelites. People who don't believe they have a right to have their own nation. People don't, who don't believe that God gave them that land way back there when he led them to it. And so there are people that absolutely hate Jews. Well, God says he loves them. God has a program for them. And during the tribulation period, the, the persecution on the Jewish people is going to be a horrible thing for them because God's going to be dealing with them. And this is what Jesus says to those Gentiles who helped them. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. Because they were my brothers. Why did those people do that? Well, this is where we look at how this applies to us. Next slide. He had a kingdom prepared for them. How, you know, even though this sermon is not really about us, but it's for us because we can understand that Christ has a kingdom prepared for us. We see this, that uh, we have an inheritance that's undefiled and unfading through Jesus. It's found in this verse, it's found in 1 Peter chapter, four, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And also, we, we need to understand that what we do shows what we believe. This is really important. He goes, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Do you know why they did this? They didn't do this because they were trying to earn their way to heaven, right? They did this because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and they were saved. That's the difference. Uh, we, well, last night, 
I got, I, we, I had to volunteer to help in the last event because they didn't have any help. And normally, uh, we get out of there as soon as Tabby's done running. We throw the horses in the trailer and we get out of there, but I had to stay for the whole last deal. And so I tell Pam, I said, y'all get the horses unsaddled, get everything put up, and I said, just tie them to the trailer and I'll load them up and head home as soon as I'm done. You get the kids home and get them to bed. Well, you know, uh, they left, and I don't think they got out of there much earlier than me, but I, when I finally got out of there, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm not kidding. I'm driving home, and I'm praying about staying awake, right? Lord, help me make it home, right? And I'm going to tell you what I was in that truck, and this is what I thought about myself. I'm just a sleepy old daddy, right, heading home with horses. Um, that's what I was. I actually was sleepy, driving the truck, trying to get home. What I do says what I am, right? You know, if I'm a believer in Christ, that my actions reflect what I believe. The things I'm doing show who I am. Jesus told these people, he says, you did this to me. This tell, He knew their hearts. They weren't out there working. They weren't earning or working salvation. They had received salvation through Christ, and because they had received salvation, their actions showed it. Jesus says in Matthew 7 that uh, a tree is known by its fruit, right? We're known by what we believe. Here's the next one we can apply to our lives, and this is it. And the king will say, whatever you did to them, truly I say to you, uh, you did it to me, uh, or you did to, to the... I'm going to read that again. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. I want to tell you what is very important in our society today, and that is that we stand with God's people. Right? That's not changed, and that never will. Uh, we, need, we need to have a society, a government, a people that stands with God's people. And I told you, God's people, God's chosen people are not chosen for any other reason that he chose that line of people to bring us, Jesus the Messiah, not only to save them, but to save us, right? So, uh, and then there's the king's judgment. As we look at this, let me wrapping things up here pretty quick. He says this, therefore, he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed. And to look at this, this is really interesting. I want you to read this because this you need to understand this. Ready? You curse. What does he say there? Now, now I'm not preaching fire and brimstone here, although I think some of you need to hear it. But right? It don't hurt us. It don't hurt for us to hear about hell every now and then, does it? Yeah. Read this. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me, and these will go away into, this is bad, eternal punishment, but the righteous, how are we made righteous? Through Christ, we'll get to that in a minute, into eternal life. Now, here's, a, here's some things. Next slide, I want to go through really quick, quickly with you. First of all, 
Listen to me. Eternal punishment was not created for you and I. Look at what the Bible says here about eternal punishment. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into what? The eternal fire prepared for who? Say it again, prepared for who? God didn't make hell for you. He made it for a rebellious angel who wanted to be like God and those who followed him out of heaven when he rebelled and God kicked him out. That's who hell was made for. He didn't create it for you. I want to tell you something. And I want you to listen to me. This morning, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, that's your way into heaven. And some people tell me and say this to me, Pastor Wade, a loving God would never send anybody into eternal fire prepared for the devil or his angels. They say a loving God will never send anybody into hell. Well, this morning, if you're within earshot of me, you've heard a message of salvation. And if you walk out of here without trusting Jesus, it is not God sending you to hell. It is you going to hell of your own accord. He's given us a free will and a choice to give our lives to him to trust his salvation. He didn't make hell for us. He made it for the devil and his angels. So do me a favor today. If you've not given your life to Jesus, you're going to have an opportunity here in a minute. Give him your heart. So that you can understand not to go here. Right? Again, what, what we do shows what we believe. These people did not believe him. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. And I was a stranger and you did not. You, you welcomed me or you, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. How did that work? I messed up. First time I've ever done it. <laughs> what we do shows what we believe. Here's the other thing. Um, the last thing. Only those made righteous will enter into the eternal life. Look at what he says. They will go away into eternal punishment, but it says, but the right, let's read that right there. But the righteous enter into life. Now, I want you to think about the whole picture of salvation from the cover to cover of the scripture. How is a person made righteous? Because the Bible says those who are righteous enter into eternal life. Now, am I made righteous because I'm a preacher? Are you made righteous because you walk into church on Sunday morning and sit here and listen to me holler at you? Are you made righteous because you took your neighbor some food who was hungry or helped somebody out? Does that make you righteous? Was Abraham made righteous because God told him to go to a land he would show him and he left and went? Was that why? Because Abraham went and did that? Was Abraham made righteous by the law? 
when he came 400 years before the law entered. How was Abraham made righteous? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him to righteousness. How are these people made righteous? Because they believed God, and it was accounted to them to righteousness. How are you made righteous? Well, I'm going to step into that just a little bit more before we close. Last verse of the day. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, say for our sake. For our sake. That's you and me. He made him. Who's that? Jesus. Who to be sin who knew no sin. Christ was hanging on that cross, bearing the sins of the world, and he cried out these words, Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what was going on with Jesus at that point in time in his life, or right there on that cross, you know what was happening? The sins of the world were being placed on him. And for the first time in all of eternity past, this had never happened before, but he did it for you. He was separated in relationship to the Father because of sin. Do you hear that? The Bible says that Jesus has always been and always will be. He was there in the beginning with God and nothing was made apart from him. And yet he had his relationship in the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had never been broken before. And then right there on the cross for you and I, because of sin being placed on him, because he became sin, the relationship he had with the Father was broken momentarily. He did that for you. He made him to be sin, who, or who knew no sin to be sin. So let's, let's read that. This is good. Let's, this is you and I. Ready? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This morning, Christ is offering you a trade. He took your sin. He became sin for you so that you could become his righteousness. It's that simple. So what you do is you put your faith in what he did 2,000 years ago on that cross when he was nailed there and became sin for you so that you could become the right. He wants to trade you. He wants to trade you your old life for his. You give him your old life and he'll give you a brand new one in him. So everybody, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray with you. And then this morning, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, you have that opportunity right now. I'm just going to simply pray. You know what? You may not know how to pray, and that's fine. You just pray with me. I'll show you how. I'll teach you how. Simply pray this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I want to ask you to forgive me for my sin. I believe you died for my sin. And you took it from me. I also believe you rose again and have eternal life and can give it to me. I ask you to come into my life 
and save my soul. And it's in your mighty name, in the name of Jesus, I proclaim I'm saved. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for those that prayed. I want to ask you to bless them today. For those that gave you their life for the first time. I want to thank you for those in our church that prayed with them today to help them. And I, I just ask God that you would help us to come alongside them and encourage them in their new walk with you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'm going to ask the guys to come up. They're going to close in a song. And as they do that, uh, Charlie, would you hold up one of those papers off the table? Those are what we call, you know, uh, the fancy word for those is a contact card, right? And what that contact card does, it gives me an ability to call you if you have given your life to Christ. So this is what I desperately need you to do if you pray to receive Jesus this morning. Grab one of those contact cards, put your name and your phone number on it, leave it in the offering box, and I will call you this week and talk to you about your decision for Jesus. Um, Let's stand up and let's sing some praises to Jesus and close out.